Welcome to Living Water Radio. How many gods do we believe in? One, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, Wait, that's three. How can one be three? Or is it, how can three be one? Today, we're going to find out. My name is Pastor David Birkenau. My wife, Reverend Sally Welch, is co-producing this podcast. Sally is a Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, United Church of Christ, ordained minister, focusing on ecumenical and interfaith ministry. I served Lutheran Christian congregations in Compton, California, and in San Dimas, California, for over 40 years. Today, maintaining our yard is my gym, and I'm active as a volunteer in the leadership of the more than 100 Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregations in our area. Between the two of us, we have over 80 years of ordained ministry experience. Check out our first Living Water Radio podcast, number zero, Welcome and Introduction, for more information about us and this podcast. Some say that we only need two tools. If it moves and it shouldn't, duct tape. If it doesn't move and it should, WD-40. Or if you're old school and you want it to move, or if you want it to move faster and you don't need those fancy aerosol cans, three-in-one oil. Before we had those fancy gasoline-powered lawnmowers or the echo-friendlier electric ones, we used our muscle-powered manual mowers, and they moved efficiently with three-in-one oil. When we wanted our bicycles to fly like rockets, three-in-one oil. When things got rusty and wouldn't move, three-in-one oil. Hedge clippers, bolts, pruners, bicycle chains, locks, adjustable wrenches, almost anything that turned and could rust was made more efficient by 3-in-1 oil. It's been made since 1894, and you can still buy it. It's one of the, if not the most masculine smells I know. If you could make a cologne out of it, I think you'd have something. It frees rusted parts, prevents rust, and lubricates. And yet, it comes from one four-ounce container. It's just one oil, three in one. Get it? So, does that make it a good way to describe the Holy Trinity? Well, sort of, but no. This coming Sunday is Holy Trinity Sunday, the only Sunday in the church year named for a doctrine. That might sound pretty dry, except for the blood spilled, the churches divided, and the arguments that have spent people's lives defining what the Holy Trinity means. So, if it still sounds dry, maybe we need a little spiritual three-in-one oil. There's nowhere in the Bible that says there is a Trinity, and yet the evidence is found from the beginning to the end. Sometimes all three persons are manifest at the same place and time, as in Jesus' baptism. Jesus came out of the water, the Holy Spirit descended like a dove and rested on him, a voice spoke from heaven, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased, in Matthew 3, verses 13 through 17. The doctrine of the Trinity, one God in three persons, each of which is fully God. And sometimes just one is present. And sometimes they are all described. All three persons in the Trinity are in play when Jesus says in John 16, verses 12 through 15, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. 
all that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Yet, does this make who the Trinity is any clearer? Martin Luther, the 16th century church reformer, once said, To try to deny the Trinity is to endanger your salvation. To try to comprehend the Trinity is to endanger your sanity. I'd say it's pretty much impossible to describe the Holy Trinity without slipping into heresy. The whole idea of heresy brings to mind the bad old days of torture, war, and hypocrisy, right? Yet, it also points to a time when the truth mattered, when it was literally a matter of life and death, not just for this world, but for eternity. The apostles and the Nicene creeds that are central to the Christian faith, that ended much of the church's fighting over doctrine by setting down the central things that the Bible teaches, are both based on the structure of the Trinity. The Athanasian Creed, a third creed, is very long and rarely used in public worship, but it has some of the best language focused on the meaning of the Holy Trinity. Remember St. Nicholas? the guy called Santa Claus in many cultures. He wears a red robe because St. Nicholas was a bishop when the Nicene Creed was being written. What the essence of the Christian faith was, was being decided and things got so heated that good old Santa Claus, St. Nicholas, is alleged to have smacked another bishop, Arius, over his heretical beliefs regarding the Trinity. We believe in one God, we speak of God the Father, or Creator, God the Son, or Redeemer, and God the Holy Spirit, or the Sanctifier, the One who makes us holy. One God in three persons, the Holy Trinity. How do we illustrate that? A shamrock, a triangle, ice water in a glass, one man who is a father, husband, son, or one woman who is a mother, wife, and daughter— are all things I've used to point to the Trinity. And here are three that I haven't. An egg, shell, white, and yolk, the sun, star, heat, and light, and the three layers of an apple. Every one of them is inadequate. Some border on heresy, and some cross that border. For example, saying that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are not three persons of the Trinity, but are different parts of God, each equaling one-third, that's partialism saying that the Trinity is three separate individuals. That's tritheism. Saying that we believe in one God who reveals his self in three different ways, like Father in the Old Testament, Son in the Gospels, and Spirit in the Epistles, that's modalism. Saying that God the Father always existed, but that Jesus and the Holy Spirit were created by God and therefore are less than fully God, that's Arianism. Remember those lines about Jesus in the Nicene Creed that say, eternally begotten of the Father and begotten not made, or the one about the Holy Spirit that says, proceeds from the Father and the Son? Note, and the Son was added later. Those were all written against Arius, the namesake of Arianism. That issue split the church in two in the year 1000, creating the Roman Catholics in the West and the Orthodox churches in the East. I saw a meme that showed a triangle connecting the corners named liquid, pitcher, and ice to each other and to a circle in the middle. It said that connecting the liquid, the pitcher, and the ice doesn't describe the Trinity. It describes the Kool-Aid man. 
Oh, yeah. Why is that important? Well, I think that we would agree that it's important both to understand what we believe and to know that the things we believe are true. Practically speaking, what we believe about the Trinity in the abstract has a major effect on how we relate to God. For example, sometimes you'll hear people say, I love Jesus. He's so accepting and forgiving, so non-judgmental. But I have a hard time with the God of the Old Testament. He seems so judgmental, so intolerant, and so punishing. The thing about the Trinity is that they are exactly the same. God the Son is God the Father, is God the Holy Spirit, is God the Son, and round and round. We believe in one God who is three persons, and each is fully God. How can God be one and three at the same time? I would say that anything that we claim that we have figured out about God is probably not true. All we can know is what is revealed to us by God. We can't understand God any more than a loaf of bread can understand the baker, or an engine can understand the mechanical engineer. If anyone says they fully understand God, that God is probably not the God of the Bible. That is a God they have invented for themselves, not the creator of all that exists, the redeemer of my soul, and the one whose presence within me and within us makes me and us holy. How many of us love a mystery? One of the things we like about mysteries is solving them, or not being able to solve them and then being shown the answer at the end of the movie or of the story and then working out the clues that were there all along. The Trinity is a mystery, but not in the sense that we can solve it or that anyone can show us the answer or that the clues are hidden but are there for all who can recognize them. The Trinity is a mystery in the sense that it cannot be understood except that it is revealed to us by God. Do you believe in God? You give your testimony every time you read or recite one of the creeds in a worship service. The word creed comes from the Latin word credo, which means I believe. Those creeds are Trinitarian. They are the core of the Christian faith from which we grow. They are what the church believes, not what your denomination believes, but what the entire Christian church believes is central to what it means to be a Christian. It's not always easy to describe what we believe to others. It's like we're speaking from one world to another, but we have to try. So I'm going to give us all an assignment this week. All I ask is that we use the name Jesus in a sentence this week in some normal conversation outside the church. That's it. Just use the word Jesus in a conversation this week and see what the person we are speaking with understands about what we mean when we say Jesus. And most people understand something about Jesus. Trying to understand the Trinity is like trying to understand what it means that God created everything out of nothing. And when I say nothing, I don't mean empty space. I mean nothing, no space, no time, nothing. Try to picture nothing. If you're like me, you are probably picturing empty space. Try picturing no space. What was it like before God created something and then everything? It's a mystery to us. It's like the answer to the mystery of human existence that all of Job's friends tried to explain to him. In the end, what Job learns is what he learns from God, 
that God is God and he's not. God is like three-in-one oil. When our hearts are hard against God, God will penetrate our resistance and set us free. When the rust of sin has kept us from being what we were created to be, God uses God's self up on the cross so that we have what we were created to have in a living relationship with the one true living God. When we open our heart to receive God, God abides there and nothing will take us away from God. But God isn't three oils making one oil or three purposes accomplishing or three purposes accomplished in the same thing, or three solutions to similar problems. God is one, and God is all in all. We know this because it has been revealed to us through the Holy Spirit in God's Word. How many gods do we believe in? We believe in one God. We speak of God the Father, or Creator, God the Son, or Redeemer, and God the Holy Spirit, or the Sanctifier, the One who makes us holy manifest in three persons, one God, the Holy Trinity. Today, let's remember to pray the Lord's Prayer, the one that Jesus taught us. If you don't know what that is, contact us at therevsdavidandsally at gmail.com or send us a tweet to at David Burkadal and we'll send it to you. Send your prayer requests to either of the same addresses and we'll include them next time. Send your comments, questions, and concerns there as well and we'll respond to every one. As always, we encourage you to stay hydrated, to open your heart to receive the living water from the source, God's self the living presence of the one true living God, the God who gave himself on the cross so that all who believe and are baptized might be restored to the living relationship with God for which we were created. Remember your church. Identify one if you don't already have one. Pray about it and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. Ask a friend about it or a family member. Google it. Contact the pastor. When you have a church, go to or tune into the worship services they have available and support your church with your time, your treasure, and your talent. Pray for and support your pastor and church leaders as they seek to do God's will for your congregation. If you are having thoughts of suicide or are struggling with mental health issues, call somebody. Contact a friend or a relative. Google a local or national hotline. Reach out. There are people around you who will walk with you through this dark time into the light. You are not alone. Wear a mask when you're outside your home. Practice social distancing. Wash or sanitize your hands regularly. Avoid crowds if you can. And be outside if you have to be in a crowd. But most importantly, get your vaccines and boosters. It's the one thing you can do to literally save lives and get us back on track. Be kind to everyone you come into contact with. Everyone you meet today struggles in some way. Be a helper and encourager. Thank you for listening to Living Water Radio. We are here for Christians and for the people of the Los Angeles metropolitan area who are looking for a sense of Christian community, a source of hope, and a way to thrive together as we move into the new normal. We hope you'll tune in next time and invite your friends to do the same. Meanwhile, Sally and I encourage you to open your hearts to receive living water, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and stay hydrated. <laughs>